Scott Adams, the man that's behind the popular comic strip Dilbert, which has been a hit for decades, satirizing work in an office, has been canceled. Mega canceled. Hundreds of papers across the country have dropped his comic and more likely will in the coming days because he, well, he saw a poll from the Rasmussen Polling Center and had some thoughts on it, and you're not allowed to have those kinds of thoughts or utter them aloud if you're a white person. So let's get into what he said and what the liberal media is claiming that he said. This poll from Rasmussen was a new poll, and it asked black Americans if they agree, disagree, or if they're not sure with the following statements. The first one is, it's okay to be white, and only 53% of them agreed. Rasmussen is a big, popular, very credible polling agency, by the way. 26% disagree, (laughs) okay, and 21% are not sure. And they also asked in that same poll uh, if black people can be racist, too. And 76% of them surprisingly agreed. 27% of them disagreed. Black people can't be racist whatsoever. 8% not sure. So Scott Adams does a daily live stream. It's called a Coffee with Scott Adams. And in that live stream, he was reacting to this poll and said this. So if if, nearly half of all blacks uh, are not okay with white people, according to this poll, not according to me, According to this poll, uh, that's a hate group. That's a hate group. And I don't want to have anything to do with them. And I would say, you know, based on the current way things are going, the best advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people. Just get the f*** away. Wherever you have to go, just get away. Because there's no fixing this. This can't be fixed. Right, this can't be fixed. You just have to escape. So that's what I did. I went to a neighborhood where you know I have a very low black population because unfortunately the, you know there's a high correlation between the density. And this is according to Don Lemon, by the way. Um, so here I'm just quoting Don Lemon when when he notes that the when he lived in a uh, mostly black neighborhood, there were a bunch of problems that he didn't see in white neighborhoods. So even Don Lemon sees a big difference in your own quality of living based on where you live and who's there. Respect where you live. Start small by not dropping trash, littering in your own communities. I've lived in several predominantly white neighborhoods in my life. I rarely, if ever, witness people littering. I live in Harlem now. It's an historically black neighborhood. Every single day I see adults and children dropping their trash on the ground when a garbage can is just feet away. Just being honest here. Of course, only black people are allowed to say that they don't want to live around white people and they're so tired of dealing with them that they have black-only colleges or uh, historically black colleges and black-only dorms and black-only graduation ceremonies. And we everybody has seen the unbelievable rise in systemic and blatant anti-whiteism over the last several years since the Black Lives Matter uh, uprising in 2020. Um, And I'm also really sick of seeing video after video of black Americans beating up non-black citizens. Um, You know, I realize it's anecdotal, 
and it you know, doesn't give me a, a full picture of what's happening. But every damn day, I look on social media, and there's some black person beating the then of some white person. I'm kind of over it. I'm over it. Right? So I, I quit. Elon Musk is also noticing things. He replied to a tweet talking about the Scott Adams cancellation controversy, saying for a very long time, U.S. media was racist against non-white people. Now they're racist against whites and Asians. Something happened with elite colleges and high schools in America. Maybe they can try not being racist. It would take a full 24-hour news network just to cover the recent examples of systemic anti-whiteism like this Rutgers University professor, Brittany Cooper. I think that white people are committed to being villains in the aggregate, right? The real sort of issue here, and I, you know, I've heard people sort of say it, is one, I think that white people viscerally fear. It's not that white people don't know, right, what they have done. They know. You mean we freed the slaves and hundreds of thousands of white people died freeing the slaves in the Civil War only to just constantly be slandered as racists 150 years later? Scott Adams has now become a meme for noticing certain things that a lot of people have noticed but have been afraid to point out because just pointing out certain facts and obvious irrefutable statistics about certain groups of people and Crime will get you labeled a racist. But Scott Adams has F.U. money. He's got so much money that he doesn't care if he gets canceled. He talked about this in an interview five years ago. He's worth tens of millions of dollars. And so it appears that he just decided to basically go into retirement with a bang. I discovered that the price of free speech is really high. And there are only a few people willing to pay it. So I decided to pay it so that I could extend the conversation to something that everybody needs to hear. Well, the brand names are finally talking about it now that the systemic anti-whiteism is so obvious that it's impossible to ignore. And most people are having a hard time staying silent about it because they're so disgusted with it. And of course, us YouTubers are always a decade or so ahead of the brand name political pundits. But we do have to pat them on the back and encourage them to keep doing the right thing when they finally get around to it. Ali Mistel writes, I believe, for The Nation. And he appears on MSNBC all the time on Joy Reid's show. He's the Q-tip looking guy, by the way. And other programs. And Ellie Mistel hates white people and has made this clear over and over and over, or at least his rhetoric suggests that he does. Oh, no, he does. That's <laughs> a fact. He wrote an article in 2021 called... <laughs> Dr. Drew is getting nervous. Look at him. He doesn't want to admit the obvious elephant in the room, the systemic anti-whiteism. I am not ready to re-enter white society as a black man as the pandemic wanes and i have to leave the safety of my whiteness free castle i know that racism is going to come roaring back into my daily oh. life right because he's going to have to be around the whites again over the past year i have of course still had to interact with white people on zoom or television etc but white people aren't in my face they're not in my face all the time how is that any different as a material matter than what Scott Adams just said. 
Well, what Scott Adams said was just a preference based on an observation and crime statistics that you're not supposed to talk about. It wasn't actually hateful like the despicable rhetoric that you just read from Ellie Mystical is. Here is a black man intentionally limiting his exposure to white people <laughs> who he doesn't want in his face all the time. Oh. He doesn't have to deal with their whiteness except for when he wants to. He doesn't I guess that's our loss. Right? Find being around white people safe um, and he's not ready to re-enter white hmm. society. Well, the same white society that keeps white kids dumb and doing so is as American as apple pie. I could think of a whole continent full of countries that he would probably enjoy much better than ours, but I can't say that because that would be <laughs> racist. Every night, MSNBC, no problem. Scott Adams, his career is done. He's canceled by everyone. And the double standard Adam speaks volumes. It certainly does, and some of us have been shouting from the rooftops about it for many years. But hey, Megan, better late than never. Remember, it was just a few months ago when Tulsi Gabbard left the Democrat Party, and in her announcement explaining why, she said in part it's because of their systemic anti-whiteism. Who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism. Just two days ago, Matt Walsh published a video titled Anti-White Racism is Real and just some constructive criticism, not to be picky and this isn't an attack, but you should use the word anti-whiteism. Get it? Anti-white racism, anti-whiteism. The left knows how powerful labels and terminology and language is. And so everybody should start calling anti-white racism, anti-whiteism. That's what it is. That's what it should be called. But strangely, Christopher Rufo, the self-proclaimed critical race theory expert, continues to refuse to use it and instead continues to call it critical race theory, which is ridiculous because it sounds like it's just a theory and 99% of critical race theory is just anti-whiteism. Of course, sadly, there's still a ton of anti-Asian racism in America, most of which is perpetuated by black people, and in the university system because they don't get accepted because of the affirmative action hires that are uh, given priority over them despite having lower grades. And that appears to be the primary concern of Christopher Rufo, whose wife is Asian, whose children are Asian, and apparently he believes that by talking about or pointing out the systemic anti-whiteism, that that's going to add fuel to white identity, which he strictly opposes, which is the idea of white people collectively identifying as an ethnic group and demanding the same rights and privileges as all of the other ethnic groups in a society. Then there's Ben Shapiro, who does finally address anti-whiteism, although he doesn't use that term, but he still couldn't help but denounce Scott Adams, the creator of the Dilbert cartoon, as being a racist. Just to rewind for a second, Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert, he said some racist stuff, which of course is indeed racist. What he said was in fact racist. You can fully acknowledge Scott Adams' racism and still also recognize that the media would be totally fine with Scott Adams' racism if it was directed in precise reverse at white people. In the United States, if you direct racism against black Americans, that of course is verboten, it's very bad, and you'll have your career ended. And there's a strong case that that ought to be the case because racism is bad. So Ben Shapiro approves of Scott Adams being canceled for deciding to live in a neighborhood that he feels safe in and has neighbors that don't hate him because he's white. And 
Scott Adams cartoon Dilbert now canceled completely. His syndicator canceled him. So first it was hundreds of individual papers and newspaper syndicates, but now the syndicator of the column itself or the cartoon itself canceled him and his book publisher he had a new book that was supposed to be coming out that's done and when his current books are out of print they're not going to reprint them they said that all of his past titles also his calendars the dilbert calendars gone it is the number one bestseller currently in the humor and comic calendars but as soon as it's out of stock they're not going to print anymore the memes that have come out of this have been very interesting to say the least Scott Adams has become a meme for noticing certain things that you're not supposed to notice or say anything about out loud. And people are even making their own Dilbert cartoons. And this is one that I made. I'm sorry, Dilbert, but only black people are allowed to say they don't want to live in black neighborhoods. Right, Chris Rock? Now, we got a lot of things, a lot of racism going on in the world right now. Who's more racist, black people or white people? Black people, you know why? Because we hate black people too. <laughs> Everything white people don't like about black people, black people really don't like about black people. There's some shit going on with black people right now. It's like a civil war going on with black people. And there's two sides. It's black people and there's niggas. <laughs> and niggas have got to go. Every time black people want to have a good time, What do you think, Don Lemon, 10 years ago before you came down with the liberal pathogen? Because black people, if you really want to fix the problem, here's just five things that you should think about doing. Five things. <laughs> I don't know if we have time for five things, but, you know, just maybe one or two. Here's number five. And if, if, if this doesn't apply to you, if you're not doing this, then it doesn't apply to you. I'm not talking about you. Here's number five. Pull up your pants. Walking around with your ass and your underwear showing is not okay. In fact, it comes from prison when they take away belts from the prisoner so that they can't make a weapon. Respect where you live. Start small by not dropping trash, littering in your own communities. I've lived in several predominantly white neighborhoods in my life. I rarely, if ever, witness people littering. I live in Harlem now. It's an historically black neighborhood. Every single day I see adults and children dropping their trash on the ground when a garbage can is just feet away. Just being honest here. Dare I say it, but the old Don Lemon from 10 years ago actually sounded like a real American. Meanwhile, Fox News launched their own version of BET called Fox Soul. And this is a three-year-old network now, an almost three-year-old network. And it gets a little confusing because some people think that this is owned by Disney because Disney did buy a bunch of intellectual property assets from the 20th Century Fox Corporation. But this is not one of them. This is owned by Fox Corporation, which is controlled by Rupert Murdoch, along with Fox News. So just think about this. This is the sister station to Fox News. In dumb cracker news, let me get into this. Dumb cracker news. A recent episode of Real Coffee with Scott Adams podcast, pro-Trump Dilbert creator Scott Adams told white people to get the hell away from black people. Why would he say that? First and foremost, we don't need your help. That 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 that's the first thing, right? You mean you don't want us to pay you reparations anymore? <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. You miss me with the white savior complex. And part two, you're being flippant and think you're being funny, but quite honestly, 
I no, I'm being serious. Like, we're not going to pay you a dime. I actually agree with you. I actually think majority of y'all, especially the ones that think like you, should actually stay the hell away from black people. You'd actually be doing us a favor. So he is literally agreeing with Scott Adams, whose entire career is now completely canceled. But this guy will continue to have a job on Fox's BET, Fox Soul. Of course, it would take a 24-hour news network just to cover the endless anti-whiteism examples that are spewing out in America every day now. Uh, like this one from the New York Times. Can my children be friends with white people? <laughs> or Isa Ray, the creator of an HBO series who at the Emmys a couple years ago was asked who she was rooting for to win, and she said, black people. Who are you rooting for tonight? I'm rooting for um, everybody black. <laughs> I am. Betting on black tonight. And here she is at the Emmys five years later, where she was asked again, this time by a transgender host for extra diversity, who she's rooting for this time. Fabulously and iconically five years ago here at the Emmys, you told us that you were rooting for everybody black. Tonight, Issa Rae, who are you rooting for? Everybody black, nothing has changed. <laughs> it will never change. <laughs> Of course, if a white actor, or actress, writer, or producer were to say such a thing, they would be kicked out of the Emmys. It would be overshadowing the entire event. Their career would be over within an hour. All their movies would be pulled from the streaming services, and they would literally never work another day in their life. Are you a BIPOC, a black indigenous or person of color who is tired of the anti-whiteism in America today? Then you may be interested in my new I Love White People shirt. Available for my online store at markdice.com or click the link in the description below. In other news, did you hear that the FBI also just quietly confirmed that the coronavirus leak from the lab in Wuhan, China was man-made? So also have a new shirt to celebrate that the conspiracy theorists were right. So head on over to markdice.com or click the link in the description below and check them out. Is posting videos of black crime racist? Mr. Reagan. Bryson Gray recently responded on Twitter to somebody who posted a video of yet another brawl between black people at a fast food place. The tweet was posted by Emilio2783, and Emilio wrote, There's something so similar about these videos, but I can't quite figure out what it is. Obviously, it's that all of the violent people in these videos are black. Now, Bryson responded, I agree, but I can do this with pedophile catcher videos and the race would be different. And that got me thinking, is Bryson right about that? Now, it has become popular among some Twitter users to post videos of black people committing atrocious acts of violence. Sometimes these are crimes against white people. Sometimes they're brawls with other black people. Sometimes it's violence against Asians, sometimes old people, and sometimes it's even shootouts and other horrific acts. Now, I understand Bryson's natural response to this. It seems kind of racist to want to point this out. Sure, some black people are violent, but within every race you'll find violent people. And that violence may be expressed in different ways. It's not always caught on video. So why point out the black violence only? Let's be fair. And probably 99.9% .9 of the time, I agree with Bryson. I love this guy. He is brilliant. But here's the thing. I don't think posting these videos is racist at all. 
And uh, look, he didn't suggest that racism was the motivation for posting this video and, or anything like that. But I do think that a lot of people might well come to that conclusion after having read his response. In any case, I think that's wrong. I don't think posting these videos is racist. And here's why. We know from FBI statistics that black people are far more likely to commit violent crimes than any other group. Furthermore, it seems like 90% of the videos depicting terrific acts of violence that you can find posted online are videos of violent black people. And yet, the FBI, Democrat politicians, the mainstream news media, as well as Hollywood, film, and TV shows, they all insist that it's the white people that are the violent ones in this world. White people are evil. White people are violent. White people are the problem. And yet, day after day, we see these videos pouring in of acts of terrible violence perpetrated by black people. So I do think that there is a need for this kind of post, just to set the record straight. But why, you may ask, why must we set the record straight? What's the point? Can't we just pretend that every race is just as violent as every other race? I mean, every race is violent. Is it that important that we point out which races are more violent? Can't we just ignore it? No, we can't. Because... Political policy is being manipulated specifically because of this myth that every race is equally violent. Radical left prosecutors throughout the country are neglecting to prosecute black criminals because they've been deluded into thinking that the criminal justice system is racist against black people and that this is the only reason that so many black men are incarcerated every year. It can't possibly be that they actually commit crime. No, 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 that's not possible. It's that the police, the prosecutors, the judges, the juries, they're all just biased against black people. And we're also seeing violent criminals being released from prison. They call it criminal justice reform and equal justice, stuff like that. But it's not reform and it's not equal. It's insane. Political policy, judicial policy, policing policy, these are all being manipulated by this delusion that every race is equally violent. Well, if every race is equally violent, then the disparity in incarceration rates must be due to racism. And we've got to create a more equitable outcome in order to make everything fair. That is what they think. And who do you think this hurts the most? It hurts white victims, sure. It hurts the convenience store owners that are getting shot, sure. It hurts the old Asian women who are getting senselessly beaten, sure. But mostly, this hurts black people. It's the good black folks that are in the most danger of being attacked by these animals. In fact, a lot of regular black folks, if you ask them if they want violent criminals let into their neighborhood in order to create more equitable prison populations, they're going to tell you, heck no. And so, you know, if folks on Twitter have to post tons of videos of black folks committing horrifically violent crimes in order to educate the general public about this, well, then, yeah, that's what they've got to do. I mean, we always hear leftists going on about raising awareness. We've got to raise awareness about feminism, crap like that. Well, you know what? Some of these people, they're just trying to create awareness about this. And you know what? Most of the things that people say they're trying to raise awareness about are already ubiquitously known. Nobody needs to be educated about these things. But maybe this is something that actually needs awareness raised about it. It's ugly, but maybe it's necessary. So now, regarding Bryson's response, just like other violent crimes, black Americans actually do commit a disproportionate amount of the child abuse in America. That's just statistically true. Black people make up about 12% of the population. They commit about 21% of the child abuse. White people are about 60% of the population, 6-0, and they commit about 50% of the child abuse. Now, this is child abuse without any further subcategorization. I couldn't find any statistics that were more specific. Data like that is extremely difficult to find. 
I think, for obvious reasons. So I don't like to contradict Bryson Gray, but I do think the idea of that white people are more likely to be pedophiles, I think that that is a myth. And even if it were true, there is another major distinction that needs to be noted, and I did note it in my response to Bryson, in which I said this. I said, I feel like pedophilia is severely condemned by white culture. I don't think violence is condemned strongly enough by black culture. And I think that's right. White people utterly condemn pedophilia. Like, it's just about the worst thing that you can do in white culture. But violence in black culture, that's not so strongly condemned. If anything, it seems to be encouraged. Bryson wrote me back. He said, neither of these things are true. Black people call out black crime all the time. A lot of us actually use the phrase black on black crime. Now, I responded, I think you're an exception. And maybe there are a lot of exceptions, but culturally, I don't think violence is strongly condemned by black America. So then he wrote, I didn't bring up myself. I'm just saying in general, I never see white people calling out child porn based on race, though. That never happens. I don't quite understand what he means, child porn based on race. Child porn is child porn. Child porn is bad, like pure evil. Anyway, I responded. I wrote, everyone finds pedophilia revolting and evil. Any sign of it always results in outrage. And despite the fact that we've had this little public dispute, I will say that I massively respect Bryson, and I think I understand what he's saying here. There is a trend among white leftists to take their children to drag queen story hour and to fight for the inclusion of graphic homosexual illustrations in children's books at elementary schools. Crazy stuff like that. Behavior that is intended to normalize aberrant sexual behavior and to familiarize children with it. And we conservatives, we tend to call this out as grooming. But the reality is that grooming is not really the intention of most of these crazy leftists. Many of these leftists genuinely don't believe that this kind of normalization and familiarization will increase the vulnerability of children to pedophiles. Conservatives, I mean, we all realize that it will, of course, and we don't believe that we can condemn it strongly enough. And so we hyperbolically call everyone on that side of the debate groomers. But anyone who thinks about this objectively recognizes that most leftists believe that they are just being sympathetic to gay and trans people because they're delusional. So they are so convinced of this insanity that they're putting their children and the children of other people in harm's way because they have this strongly held delusion. But even leftists stop short of thinking that pedophilia is acceptable. Sure, there are a few leftist nutcases who make the argument that pedophiles are just born that way. But that is extremely rare. White leftists also condemn pedophilia. Perhaps they don't condemn it as vocally as conservatives, but they do condemn it. And some people watching this, they might point out that You know what? The same thing can be said about black Americans and their condemnation of black violence. Conservative black Americans condemn black violence and only the leftists or apolitical black Americans seem to turn a blind eye or actively promote violence. And that's a fair argument. However, how many black conservatives are there? Only 8% of black voters voted for Trump in 2020, and that's up two points from 2016. In contrast, 57% of white voters voted for Trump. So although it's technically correct to say that some black people condemn violence and some white people neglect to condemn pedophilia, I think that's very disingenuous. Almost no white people neglect to condemn pedophilia, and really not enough black Americans strongly condemn black violence. And let me explain the real reason why I'm bickering with Bryson. In America, white people are essentially forbidden 
from criticizing black culture. And we really need guys like Bryson to support such criticism. I know that sounds like we're playing leftist games here. And honestly, I don't think that we need permission from black people to criticize black culture. But a lot of people do think that we need permission. So when Bryson sees a tweet like this and it responds in this defensive way saying, yeah, but white people, etc., 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 I think it's really destructive. I think we all need to feel comfortable criticizing every culture. And yeah, we all know that there are evil white people. We know that Antifa exists. And no one is watching all these videos and going, Ugh, black people are all evil and they're the only evil people in this world. <laughs> <laughs> nobody's watching these videos and thinking that. Literally nobody. Everybody recognizes that, yes, there are good and bad people in every race. But this is a particular case. This is a problem that is specific to black Americans. And you need to let us white folks point that out if we notice it. Black violence is a real problem in America right now, and we need to recognize that. And so I think that it's actually a good thing that these videos are being posted so much. I think we collectively as a nation have yet to acknowledge that this kind of violence among black people is a real problem. It's something that needs to be addressed. And how can it be addressed? Well, besides more and stronger policing, which I think is certainly necessary, I think prominent black Americans need to condemn it themselves. There needs to be a cultural shift in black America away from this. The idea that it takes more strength to resolve differences peacefully rather than violently, that needs to saturate black America. Dignity needs to have a higher status than toughness. Just because you can knock out an old Asian man doesn't mean that you should. It's like Uncle Ben said, with great power comes great responsibility. And that's also true for conservative rap stars like yourself, Bryson. Now, I'm not having a go at Bryson, you guys. And you should all buy his music and you should support him. He is a good man. The reason I created this video was because I, I thought it was a good opportunity to point out that white Americans need to feel free to observe, consider, and respond to problems in America without the fear of being called a bigot. We all have brains. We can all perceive things that are going on. We can all think. And we should all be able to talk about these things openly. Let me know what you guys think about all this in the comments section below. That's it for me. And remember, it's not that all the friends are ignorant. It's just they know so much that is not so. Good night. What is fascism? Fascism is private ownership, private enterprise, but total government control and regulation. Well, isn't this the liberal philosophy? The conservative, so-called, is the one that says less government. Get off my back. Get out of my pocket. And let me have more control of my own destiny. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. One thing we have learned after many years in the news business is that every once in a while you've got to eat some crow and admit that despite your best intentions, you were completely wrong about something. Tonight is one of those times. For nearly four years now, we've been under the impression, an impression we regularly communicated to you, our viewers, that actor Jesse Smollett was the greatest BS artist since Bill Clinton, that he was a transparent rakes, race hoaxer who fooled the dummies in the national media but could not fool us. That's what we thought. We thought Jussie Smollett was a liar. You remember his story. It did seem unlikely. Late one night in sub-zero temperatures in a snowstorm, Jussie Smollett decided to venture out for a sandwich in downtown Chicago when he was, as people are, accosted by two physically enormous Trump supporters from Africa who somehow recognized him despite his ski hat from his part in a little-known musical drama series called Empire because campy musical dramas are apparently huge with muscle-head Trump voters from Nigeria. So they knew him instantly, right away. 
These two crazed African right-wing maniacs also correctly guessed that Jesse Smollett had voted for Hillary Clinton, and they hated that. And so, as Trump voters so often do, they began pummeling him about the face and screaming, this is MAGA country! Because that's one of the things people typically say about downtown Chicago, it's MAGA country. Then, because they were still angry, they're always angry, these Nigerian racists poured bleach on Jesse Smollett, threw a noose around his neck, and then ran off into the night howling with demented glee. Here's how Jesse Smollett described it. And I see the uh, attacker uh, masked, and he said, this MAGA country punches me right in the face. I was just jumped. And I, then I look down and I see that there's a rope around my neck. Yeah, we're gonna be honest with you. We had some questions about that story. It just didn't sound right to us. Something was off. Crazed Nigerian Trump voters assaulting liberals in downtown Chicago? How common is this? Chicago has 50 aldermen and not a single one of them is a Republican. Chicago has not had a Republican mayor in 80 years. Donald Trump got 12% of the vote in Chicago. It didn't really seem like MAGA country. But boy, were we wrong. Not only is Chicago a right-wing Donald Trump stronghold, last night, the QAnon army came for Lori Lightfoot. Lightfoot, of course, is the mayor of Chicago and a consummate neoliberal. She's the one who prevented Chicago cops from chasing criminals on foot because chasing criminals is racist. She's the mayor who plunged Chicago even further, in, further into debt for a good cause to pay for the Department of Climate and Environmental Equity. <laughs> And in fact, Lightfoot's commitment to equity was so profound that she banned white reporters from talking to her. She took down not one, but two statues of Christopher Columbus, who was a racist. So you would think if anybody would be safe in Chicago, which is roughly 100% Democratic Party voters, it would be Lori Lightfoot. Oh, but no. According to Lori Lightfoot, the extreme MAGA Republicans, the ones who tried to bleach Jussie Smollett, activated their sleeper cells around the city and they showed up at the polls en masse, which means lots of them at once. And the effect was to make Lori Lightfoot the first Chicago mayor in 40 years to lose re-election. As Lightfoot put it last night at her non-victory party, these MAGA Republicans hated her, not because of what she did, but because of who she is. Asked directly whether her defeat in the Democratic primary had been unfair, Lightfoot answered this way, quote, I'm a black woman in America, of course. Now, one of the many tragedies here, and there are so many layers of tragedy, is that Lori Lightfoot, insightful as she's always been, saw this racist insurgency coming for years. Here she was in 2021. Mayor, in recent months, uh, there have been questions raised about your, your temperament and uh, your reaction to criticism. Uh, Tribune editorial used the term irascible. Uh, how much of this do you think might have to do with the fact that you're a woman, and specifically a black woman? About 99% of it. Yeah. Because the thing is, there are no women in Chicago. It's an entirely male and right-wing city. And so all opposition to Lori Lightfoot derived from her race and gender. It's not that people were angry about violent crime in Chicago. That never crossed her mind. No. Here instead is her explanation from last night's concession speech. Obviously, we didn't win the election today. But I stand here with my head held high and a heart full of gratitude. I'm grateful that we work together to remove a record number of guns off our streets, reduce homicides, 
and started making real progress on public safety. Obviously, you didn't win. That's true. You got spanked like the bad little mayor you were. But according to the Chicago Police Department, we're also happy she was mayor because she made the city a lot better. Here's what the police said in a statement, quote, over the past three years, robberies, burglaries and thefts hit record lows in Chicago. <laughs> Each of these crime categories saw decreases not seen for the last 50 years. Oh, it's a lot safer than it's ever been in 50 years. Hmm, is that true? Well, let's check the same police department's own statistics. And here they are. From 2019 to 2023 in Chicago, robberies went up, not down, actually, up 27%. Theft, nearly 40%. Murder, kind of a significant category, 59%. How about motor vehicle theft? Is that up or down? Oh, it's up 270%. So if you'd average all that out, that means all crime is up 33%. There were 300 more murders by gunshot in 2021 than there were in 2019. There were 2,000 more shooting victims. There were 30% more overall shootings. So that's not a safer city, actually. That's a much more dangerous city that people are fleeing for their very lives. What's interesting is that the people in charge of making the police safer are still working to make it much more dangerous. The top prosecutor in the city, Lori Lightfoot's ally, Kim Fox, is rejecting thousands of felony cases every year, just not prosecuting crimes. In 2022, for example, Chicago prosecutors had a total of 20,000 felony cases come in the door, and out of those, they rejected right out of hand 2,000. They pursued, out of 20,000 cases, just 1,900 to indictment. Not to conviction, just to indictment, charging people. And those numbers are not an anomaly. They're similar for every other year of Lori Lightfoot's historically disastrous tenure as mayor. And what's happening? Well, people are fleeing Chicago, as noted, because they don't want to get killed. And you can see that in the home prices. Where are home prices highest in America? Of the 12 highest priced home markets in America, nine are in Florida. Because people are fleeing there. The opposite is true of Chicago. The medium home price is less than the median home price in the country as a whole, in fashionable Chicago. The median home price in Chicago was $270,000. So who did this? Well, it was a group effort, but Lori Lightfoot was the mayor, but it's not her fault. You know whose fault it is? Businesses and residents, pedestrians, they made themselves easy targets. Watch. I'm disappointed that they're not doing more to take safety uh, and make it a priority. For example, we still have retailers that won't institute um, plans like having security officers in their stores, making sure um, that they've got cameras that are actually operational, um, uh, locking up uh, their merchandise at night, chaining high-end bags. These purses seem to be something um, that is attracting a lot of attention on these organized retail uh, theft units. Wait, what? Did she just blame the stores for getting robbed? How is that different from saying, well, you're wearing a halter top. Of course you got raped. I mean, it's not different, actually. It's blaming the victim. It's disgusting. When was the last time you saw a mayor of a city blame crime victims for being victimized? Well, you just saw Lori Lightfoot do it. So crime is no longer punished, by and large, in Chicago, unless you disrespect Lori Lightfoot's authority. <laughs> and in that case, you went straight to jail. Watch. Now, I've directed Superintendent Brown to order all police districts to give special attention to these parties. 
And this is how it's going to be. We will shut you down. We will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail. Period. We will take you to jail. We'll arrest you and take you to jail. Not if you shoot somebody. If you break Lori Lightfoot's COVID law. But of course, COVID law didn't apply to her because why would dictators follow their own edicts? And so Lori Lightfoot immediately broke the state's stay-at-home order to get a haircut. And when she was busted getting her haircut, not a very good haircut, we'll have to say, she blamed, of course, everybody else. I'm the public face of the city. I'm on national media and I'm out in the public eye. And, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a person who I take my personal hygiene very seriously. As I said, I felt like I needed to um, have a haircut. I'm not able to do that myself. And so I got a haircut. So now Lori Lightfoot is gone. Who comes next? We have no idea. We don't live in Chicago. We're not even going to speculate on the state of local politics in that city. All we know is the most flamboyantly horrible mayor in the country was punished. The system worked. And if it worked in Chicago, maybe it could work in New Orleans, where Latoya Cantrell is quickly destroying one of the most charming cities in the world. <laughs> but part of us, if we're being honest, will miss Lori Lightfoot. Despite all the human suffering she caused, there is part of us that kind of enjoyed it by embodying every one of her party's excesses over the past four years, Lori Lightfoot inadvertently helped to expose them. Here you had a complete buffoon, someone who ran around bragging about having a large penis. We're just telling you what she said. Somehow running one of the greatest cities in the world. At times it didn't seem like even Lori Lightfoot could believe she was mayor. She clearly didn't really care for the job. Here she is. I'm calling out the census cowboy. Just save the tape. Save the tape. That's always our counsel from May of 2020 till now, March 1st of 2023. American politicians, the entire class, have gone completely insane. And a lot of it is caught on video. And future generations won't believe it when you tell them, so save the tape. Subscribe to the Fox News YouTube channel to catch our nightly opens. Stories that are changing the world and changing your life. From Tucker Carlson tonight. If the bull market of the 70s gold, it drove gold up 25 times and silver up 41 times with only 125th the amount of the currency per ounce chasing them, and then we add fear to the mix, just what do you think will happen this time around? Right. Uh, that is from chapter seven, where I finally get to gold and silver. And, you know, I start out that chapter by going through the 70s because people don't realize that up until cryptocurrencies, 
that was the biggest bull market of all time. And it happened in just eight and a half years. Uh, you know, that was the biggest gains uh, in, uh, you know, I've got a chart of the tulip mania and uh, 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 the South Sea bubble and the Mississippi bubble. And uh, those actually weren't as big as the gains on uh, of gold and silver in the 70s bull market. Uh, and the thing is, in that chapter, I show, uh, so I first show how spectacularly they did. And I've got a bunch of uh, Time article quotes in there from uh, the Time magazine uh, of the panic that the public was going through to try and get in on the deal. They didn't want to be left out. Uh, and I show some interesting charts, the shape of fear, basically. And whenever you look at uh, a, uh, the, a chart of the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ or the, uh, um, the uh, Dow, they've got rounded tops and then they, everybody panics and there's this crash and everybody's scared. And then uh, people that uh, the, usually the uh, people that have ultra deep pockets on Wall Street come in and start buying at the lows and start and, and short sellers. Uh, cover their position and take the profits, and the markets start rising again. So these spikes are a picture of uh, panic. So you've got greed and you've got fear, these V-shaped spikes. Um, and then I show another chart that has this same thing with the V-shaped spikes. It's just gold turned upside down. You turn it up right side up, and when gold is rising, that's the fear and panic. That's the reason it's got that shape to it. So uh, in that chapter, what I show is I'm looking at a little note that I made here. Uh, today, we have uh, twice as many ounces of gold available above ground for investors to buy as we did when it peaked in 1980. However, there's 18 times more people that can legally access. And, you know, in the, uh, the 1970s bull market, there were no markets in the USSR. Mao's China, um, uh, Africa uh, was not only devastatingly poor, but uh, you know there's there was no exchange there. There was no place for them to buy. Uh, same thing with South America. When you add it all up, there's 18 times more people that can participate in the great gold and silver rush of the 21st century than the one that we saw back in the 20th century. There's 55 times more currency, according to the OECD, the Organization, Organization of Economic uh, Cooperation and Development. 55 times more currency, 56 times more millionaires around the planet, 200 times more billionaires, and 220 times more available consumer credit. And the size of the global stock market is 49 times larger. So you take all of these factors, people trying to protect their wealth in a crisis. Yeah, the pile of uh, gold has doubled, but it's 18 times more people trying to get it with 55 times more currency. Uh, this is just nuts. And I, I just, uh, I, I state at the end of that chapter uh, to come back and reread it when gold passes $3,000 an ounce, $5,000 an ounce, $10,000 an ounce, and never looks back. Because uh, you'll see why the great gold and silver rush of the 21st century is just going to take your breath away. And it will.
<laughs> wow. Um, the just mind-blowing stats there. And and I, I think just that little section that you just read through, Mike, is is a, a really compelling argument for why you've got such great confidence that that much better days are ahead for the prices yeah. of these things.